Defining Connection Economy Radio. This is Tribe FM. All right, so here we are in our 10th episode on the power of free. And if I remember where we ended off last time, we were about to find out all about permission. Well, you know, in the power of free, I covered off the um, the work of Seth Godin, really, where, you know, he did a book, he wrote a book, I should say, um, that's uh, that's all about stop interrupting and start adding value that is you know get people's attention by recognizing that you can't there's not enough money in the world these days jason against the entire backdrop of information that's out there on the web that you can interrupt people's lives to the effect that you're going to get everybody's attention it's just not doable anymore mm. you know and in interruption marketing we <laughs> It's a it's a, a perjurative term that refers to promoting a product through continued advertising and promotions and public relations and sales. And it's it's an annoying version of the traditional way of doing marketing where you know companies focus on finding customers through advertising. So what you're doing uh, in the connection economy is recognizing that that's all done, that's finished, that's just you know, you you you're banging your head against the brick wall. Mm. What you got to do is equip yourself in such a way that you earn people's attention and you get their permission in advance. And you, you um, Seth Golden covered it off in a book called uh, Permission Marketing. And, you know, permission marketing is a privilege, uh, not a right, of delivering anticipated personal and relevant messages to those people who actually want to get them from you. Mm. And so, you know, what we have is... Uh, a process where we've gained people's attention and uh, got them on our website. We've acquitted ourselves, as I discussed, you know, last time out when we were talking about um, gaining people's attention. Yeah. And uh, we deliver some special detailed stuff for them for free with uh, them providing an email address to us. Prior to them giving their email address to us, They've kind of been drive by traffic. These are relationships that have, have come in as a result of a search. Now, it might well be that they're not particularly um, motivated at that moment in time to reach out and have a relationship with us. But if they've downloaded one of our, signed up for and downloaded one of our do it yourself kits, for example, then I've got their email address. And so I've, I've now got a means to continue to communicate with them via email. But the question is, if I've got their email address because they've given it to me and I know why they've given it to me because of the, the nature of what it is that they've downloaded from the web, what should I do with that email address? I mean, should I, just because I've got it, use it and, you know? Well, given that it's taken me years and years and years and years and years to get a proposition on the web to the point where they come along, they find us and then they go on and give us their email address, um, the last thing in the world I'm going to do is to abuse that, you know, privilege. I'm sure I've got their permission because they've given me their permission, but they're only one click away from rescinding that permission because of the unsubscribe option that goes out with every direct email that we um, put out. So, so actually, 
very, very rarely do I send out uh, any kind of email. Do I use that email address? If I do, I'm only going to be delivering value, new value. And it's targeted and it's segmented because, as I say, I know, you know, what, basically why they gave us their email address in the first place. I, I, I want, to, I, um, I want mm -hmm. to give you a, a, a relevant example that happened to me recently, and I was quite amused. And um, while I was going through the process of understanding what they were doing and why they were doing it, you were at the front of my mind. So yearly, we have to renew our insurances. Well, they automatically renew, but they will send you a thing saying why it's going up and yada, yada, yada. Um, so this time last year, um, I got notification from my insurer that insures my house and contents and vehicles, etc., that my insurance was going to go up. And there'd been a lot of advertising on television for an insurance provider. So I thought, let me just see if I'm paying the right amount. So I gave them a ring and um, very friendly person on the phone, blah, blah, blah. Um, asked me all sorts of questions which were leading questions which I didn't really appreciate because the call's recorded and once you have given that information, they're definitely going to load your premiums based on that. So the question was, have you ever used your cell phone while you've been in the car? Now, if you can find one person on the planet that's never used their cell phone while they've been in a car, that person either doesn't have a car or they don't have a cell phone. Anyway, that's besides the point. Mm. Um, so anyway, I went through it and they were actually a couple of hundred bucks more expensive than my current provider. So I never took them up. Lo and behold, two weeks ago, given that it was a year uh, since I reached out to them, uh, it's now time for me to renew my current insurance. And I get an email from this other insurance company saying, we see that you never took us up on um, our offer of insurance. We'd like you to give us another chance. Now, given that it's taken them a year to send me that email, I thought, hmm, okay, this is going to be interesting. So what I did was I ignored it because, as you say, uh, they got my attention, but I didn't really see any value in actually even following it through. Last week, they sent exactly the same email and I, I just couldn't help myself. I was sitting in a coffee shop and I thought, all right, I know what you're doing and now I'm going to play you at your own game. So I sent, mm -hmm. them, I sent them a lengthy reply about why did it take so long? Why do you think you are worth me actually replying? And I detailed this all out thinking that I was quite clever. Um, because the email had come from their CEO, it was a blah, blah, blah email, and I hit send. About a minute later, I get an email reply that says, you've sent a reply to a no reply email, but you should know that the best way to speak is to actually do it on the telephone. Can we contact you? Now, if that it had been from an email address that said no reply at XYZ insurance, I would have known differently and I wouldn't have wasted my time. <laughs> but it wasn't. It was from their department and they're just not prepared to take email replies. <laughs> so mate, mate, here, the, the, here I am mm -hmm. talking to an expert on intelligent content marketing about how Global insurance companies fail at being stupid and thinking that by them sending me an email, they're going to get my attention. It's daft. 
Well, that's right. And, you know, they're, they're, these guys think that the connection economy is the industrial economy with smartphones. They think that because they've got an Aweber account or, you know, one of these other autoresponder accounts, is that, that, that that can then relegate the entire relationship building and development exercise to a series of automated emails, not, not, not giving a moment's thought to the actual human being that they're actually seeking to have a relationship with and not not valuing the fact that you know they've been privileged enough to get your email address in the first place now now what are they going to do about it to win a relationship mm. and people quit themselves companies acquit themselves in, in in such poor ways you know it's it, it it's kind of like um what you get unsubscribe options and i i refuse to transact with anybody irrespective of what they're offering if their unsubscribe option asks me to type in my email address so that their autoresponder option can remove me from their list, mm. it should be one click remove. I mean, that's such a huge disrespect towards mm. the fact of, you know, uh, them having permission to deal with me. I gave, I gave them permission to deal with me once. Now, do you, do you respect me enough such that if I want to get out of this bloody relationship, because I'm no longer interested in what you're all about, or I've come to understand that you're not worthy of dealing with because the way you're quitting, yourself mm. aren't you aren't you going to give me the you know give me the respect to make it as easy for me to close that down that relationship if for no other reason you know you're not you're not actually devaluing your brand by continuing to spit out emails to people who who actually might not remember what email address that you know you subscribed for their stuff in the first place because i have a few and they all come into my into one inbox and it's never immediately apparent which email address it, they've actually been um they've been uh, sending me to so uh, mm. anyway so you know I, it just drives me absolutely bananas that these people just have no appreciation of of the value in a connection and and that if they've if they've worked hard to gain my attention in the first place such that they've they've got my permission for them to to communicate with me programmatically mm. i've no problem with being communicated with programmatically if if they're actually demanding my attention because they want to give me some value but it, mm. it, it it's all all too often you know the experience that you've described is exactly my experience as well, and I think they just think they still think that people in the connection economy they think that the relationship is just a commodity or it's just an email address. You know, it's a numbers game. I, I it's can, stupid because you're devaluing your brand. I, I can only imagine that a group of people will have sat in a boardroom and said, "Who can we still tap that we haven't already got a relationship with? Let's have a look at all of the people that we've contacted in the last year." And all of those that didn't bite, let's see if we can get them to nibble. And somebody will have said, that's a great idea. And then they haven't given any thought to putting themselves in the shoes of the people that they're trying to attract. It's absolutely mad. I'm not sure if I told you about another one. You know, with this whole uh, pandemic, um, we got stuck in Cape Town wanting to fly back. Eventually, we had to drive back because uh, the airlines all shut down. And lo and behold, from the airline that I was going to fly on, I got an email a couple of months afterwards saying, we'd like to do a survey of your um, experience. So for 15 minutes of fame, why don't you fill in the survey? <laughs> I was flabbergasted. <laughs> Not that fame is important, but why do they think that you taking your time 
to answer their survey to understand how their business works will make you famous or get that that will be the payoff <laughs> that's absolutely bizarre well the pro- the problem the problem is that you know a lot of these businesses they just see marketing as being a collection of tactics rather than a strategy and the intelligent content marketing puts the customer right at the heart of the proposition right when you reverse engineer the hong kong immigration proposition that we've got on the web it's all about the customer everything's about the customer everything's mm. on the customer's terms everything that we do is designed to minimize the impact on the customer there's, you know there's nothing wrong with being customer focused um, to the nth degree because that that's what you appreciate if you're a consumer and you're on the receiving end of that act- activity but now these guys think that um, you know there's six or seven six or seven tactics in the playbook and yeah let's just you know th- throw all of these tactics at the wall and let's see what sticks it's stupid but then again that's just like the the sophisticated industrial economy version of expecting that the industrial economy is the connection economy is the industrial economy with smartphones when mm. it's not. It's a secular shift. It's something else again. And these guys haven't woken up to that fact yet. Now, can we assume that if we have permission to start, the only way to continue that permission is to continue to provide value? Correct. Yeah, that's what it's all about. And uh, I think there's some data out there that I've read, a set, uh, read quite a few times. It says there's something like, it's usually between seven and eight points of contact with a brand before you actually engage with them. Okay. So it's a long game, right? So mm. you've got to understand. Around the, okay, so the customer, if, uh, I've, I've been able to win their attention. I've got their permission, right? Now, what's going on between their ears such that I should respect where I am in, you know, where we are in the relationship right now? And how can I continue to earn um, their trust and respect by the way that I quit themselves, quit, quit ourselves with, um, with them, given mm. that we've got their email address and that we can, um, and we've got permission to contact them. Mm. So that, for, for me, as I say, it's really all about every time, anytime I do it, it's about delivering value. And it's kind of like, Hey, I'm doing a presentation that's about employment visas. There's been some changes recently. You know, I've got your email address because you're interested in employment visas once. Are you interested in attending this free seminar? If you're not interested in attending this free seminar, do you, do you want us to send you a copy of the video after we've produced it, right? That kind mm. of thing. Yeah. So, you know, it, 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 we are delivering value. Or um, very often what I was doing in the early days with video chat was that I was encouraging people to come to attend our seminars and give them all an hour's free studio time uh, in the video chat studio, you know, with, with all the kits and whatever. And uh, uh, just, just being generous and making, um, taking advantage of all the resources that I have anyway, in a very sort of smart curated way from a customer first perspective to deliver some sort of value to them. So that with every piece of value that we send their way, you know, our brand is, is, is slightly enhanced as a result and it improves the chance that we might go on to transact with them. And also finally never forgetting that they're only one click away from saying, I don't want this stuff. I've decided that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not coming to Hong Kong, or that uh, I don't want to. I don't live in Hong Kong anymore. This just material's no longer interesting for me, so I don't send it to me. One mm. click, bang, done. Yeah, right? that's respect. That's about you know having permission. And by doing that, when they do have a need, they will remember you in a positive light and will know where to go when they do decide they need it. Well, that's well, that's that's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's all about. Um, 
it, it, it's all about acquitting yourself online as you would with somebody standing in front of you or if somebody's you know stepped in through your front door and said look i'm interested in what you're all about i haven't made a decision they want to find anything yet but but can you please tell me everything that i need to know so that i can then make an informed decision as to whether or not this is for me and you are the persons that i should be dealing with you know you acquit yourself online in exactly the same way as you acquit yourself offline Mm. Now, uh, one of the slides that I was quite uh, interested in was your seven musings on permission. Yeah. Quickly yeah. run me through those. Well, yeah, well, this is like the industrial economy operators haven't woken up to the fact yet. So, so the seven musings are, you know, these are people who, who insist on using industrial economy uh, interruption techniques. So um, it's I suggest it's because... Um, they're not experienced in business. They just think, okay, I've taken down Kotler on marketing textbook from 20 years ago, and that's how business is done, so I'm going to do that. Um, second is that they are out there on the web trying to fathom exactly what they should be doing to equip themselves to gain people's attention and, and get their permission, but they don't know what to believe because there's so much stuff out there, right? Mm. How can they sort the way from the shaft? Thirdly, which is, you know, my old thing about, you know, the Content Marketing Institute, those who can do, those who can't teach, and the Content Marketing Institute are peddling a whole variety of, you know, stuff that I think is completely irrelevant. Um, but it's very credible, and it looks like the real McCoy. Uh, but the reality is, once you drill right down on what they're all about, um, they're just typical teachers. They're not doers. If, if their stuff was so good, they would be they wouldn't be teaching other people how to do it. They'd be using it in their own businesses like we do with intelligent content marketing. Mm. Another one, obviously, as I mentioned earlier, marketing, they just think about it from the prism of it's just a collection of taxes rather than a at core DNA strategy like intelligent content marketing is. Um, uh, another another reason why people equip themselves in this way is because they're bloody lazy. They're you know, it drives me nuts. It's the biggest entrepreneurial foible that you see all the time which is, right, okay, I've decided I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to spend all my time getting the proposition right. I'm going to, you know, make sure that the D, the T's are, are, are crossed and the I's are dotted and that uh, the website's built and that the station is right and the logo's just perfect and all this kind of stuff. But they haven't thought about what they're going to do to actually get their product into the hands of people that naturally would want to know about it, right? So they, they approach it through the industrial economy prism rather than through the connection economy prism, which is putting your customer at the center of your proposition. Mm. Another reason that I gave um, when I did the Power of Free Talks is that startup entertainment discourages joined up thinking. Oh, it's, it's, thankfully, it's sort of waned now, but a few years ago, uh, there, were, there was this culture that emerged around the world about being a startup. You know, I want to have a startup. I'm going to start a business. I'm going to do the, the lean business model. And I'm going to, you know, I know the square root of nothing about really what's inside the head of the customer, but I've got a really good, uh, you know, idea for a business. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to hang out with all these people that have also got really good ideas for businesses. And they may or may not have started on the business yet, but I'm going to go and I'm going to hang out with these peer groups and we're going to, you know, get the confidence and learn what we need to learn so that we can then go off and, you know, start up really. The, out of all of that emerged these kind of like competitions and, and hackathons and, you know, things over long weekends where the way they get, you know, other entrepreneurs that have sort of made it to come in and judge their efforts and, and get awarded prizes. And I can't tell you the number of times that I'd 
I'd get excited clients who had businesses that were going to qualify for visas. So they started up. Um, but they, they, they call me on a Monday morning and say, well, I was on this hackathon this weekend and, and, I won a, and we won a prize. So we need to tell the immigration department about that. Um, and I, I just feel that that startup entertainment phenomenon just discouraged joined up thinking. It was more than likely really just due to a bunch of guys that were, you know, thinking that uh, you could emulate this sort of success at the the early startups in connection economy land, Airbnb and the like were able to harness and then you could emulate that and you that could be a pathway to your own doing your own business, getting some some early seed capital from friends and family and giving up your job and hunkering down in the garage for three months while you get your minimum viable product out and then and you go off and um and try and get uh, get get another round of funding and then kick on from that and uh, it just I felt it's the whole idea of startup entertainment as it was called back then it just discouraged joined up thinking um, and uh, this other idea that uh, was popularly denoted as growth hacking and and this was all about getting a, a minimum viable product first and then growth hacking your way to revenue which was to basically interrupt everybody without seeking to deliver value in advance and try to get people's attention that way. Um, and that was just designed to get people on your website using growth hacking strategies, so to mm. speak. But I, I was always eschewed that because it was another example of, of interruption marketing one way or the other. You've got to, you've got to go, you've, you've got to try and find your customers one way, but as Seth Godin says, you know, find products for your customers. You don't find customers for your products and the whole growth hacking thing on the back of an MVP just encouraged that sort of, uh, approach to interruption marketing for that's what it was. So yeah. Um, those are the um, those are the seven sort of you know things that uh, I reference in the power of free as to why um, many businesses are not doing what we're doing, which is to put yourself at the heart of the customer, and then when your relationships one at a time as a result of the way that you equate yourself with the value that you deliver. Mm. Now, one of the interesting quotes of Seth Godin that you have put onto that slide is, "Don't find customers for your products; find products for your customers." Explain why you use that quote. Well, because it's perfectly apt, right? It go, it talks to or it speaks to, um, well, like in the example for Hong Kong, uh, Hong Kong immigration. So, so we put a, a completely free proposition answering questions, helping solve problems onto the web. Put it on the web, recognizing that that would be the harbinger of relationships. Okay, so now we've got the opportunity for a relationship. What are we going to sell them? Well, actually, because we've produced a complete content platform that allows the disaggregation and reaggregation of value because we're no longer selling scarcity. We're actually dealing in you know, abundance here because here's all the answers you can do it yourself. You don't have to pay anybody for free. But we know that if you are minded, you're one of those two types of customers, those that want to pay and those that don't want to pay, if you are minded so to pay, well, what would you kind of want to buy here? Are we going to ram a particular, you know, value down your throat and say, look, this is what it costs you, uh, knowing that if we just ram one particular product down their throat, they could just go across the road to somebody else who was in the immigration game and 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 and, and buy it cheaper, mm. because actually our competition, not having a content platform, you know, could only re really compete with us on price and not on our terms. So, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to differentiate ourselves in a way such that, you know, you can buy a consultation 
or you can buy silver, or you can buy gold, you can buy platinum. And in simple terms, what that means is that for for these customers who are those that want to pay, that haven't paid yet, you can come in at the lowest possible price and you can come in at the highest possible price. And there's a couple of prices in the middle where you're essentially using all our free resources, but buying time from us so that we can steer you in the right direction and check things for you and make sure you're not falling in any holes and all that kind of stuff. And in that way, we were able to find products for our customers, not customers for our products. Because once we had the relationship, we knew what was going on between their ears. We knew that they did want to pay. We know the percentage of them want to pay, uh, are happy to pay the highest price. And the percentage of them are happy to pay the lowest price. And then those guys in the middle have got perhaps a little bit more flexible budget. They'll be prepared to move on one of those two options. So these are products that we were able to, to create out of our platform and where we were able to do it, recognizing what the customer actually needs. So it wasn't just a case of saying, hey, immigration providers, uh, come along and buy this stuff from us. What we're saying to you is find your way onto our website via our natural SEO once you're on our website, do everything, get realize, realize that we're trustworthy, realize that we know what we're talking about, realize that you can do all this stuff 100% free. Okay, so you're now in the bracket where you uh, want to pay, you're a want to pay customer. Okay, so we've got you. So here's four options, whereas you've only got one option at our competitor. So people mm. stick with us anyway. And that's what Seth Gordon was getting at here. And that's what we've reflected in our immigration proposition. Mm. Now, all of this relies on a platform, which is what I believe we'll uh, cover next. Yes, and I, uh, I look forward to catching up with you on that one at that time, sir. Not too long now. Take care, good sir.